I'm Michael Bavaro, and this is Dern After Reading. Michael Bavaro? Yeah, he hosts The Daily, which is like a New York Times podcast. Oh, yeah. I've heard his voice once or twice. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's this very strange, this very like, um, it just feels like the most, like an almost, um, hyperbole of like the NPR voice where it's like very like there's not much human quality to it I'd say it's very it's like the closest you can get to a person sounding like they have no emotion and it's just fact I just saw I'm sorry to interrupt your very poignant thing i'm i have a new i rearranged my room and i have a new desk spot so i have a very good view out the window and i just saw a loud car go by and the roof was completely covered in snow which might be odd because it's in not philadelphia it has not snowed in a while several weeks must have come from north country yep. <sighs> yeah now the folk are taking over gosh the f- we've got to protect <laughs> our city nick those Mounties coming in, buying cheese steaks and seeing the art museum. <laughs> phonies, bunch of phonies. Well, I don't have COVID anymore. Yeah. Oh, and behold, I am clean and clean. I've bathed today and everything. Yeah, bathing's taken a, a bit of a backseat for me. I mean, that's fair. You're small. Yeah, exactly. I bet you get dirty less quick. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm going out anywhere. It's like, wait, I'm the only, I don't like, if it's, if my hygiene is just for me, like I had much lower bar than if like there are any others who need to experience it. That's fair. I work with a guy who does not like to shower. He, his record, I think was 12 showers a year a few years ago. See, this is this bothers me deeply and i mean he would like baby wipe the the undercarriage and stuff but yeah he showers like every other week roughly that's not enough i mean he doesn't smell bad oh then maybe he doesn't he's, know. Just, he's just broken through to the other side i think <laughs> i think we we're all capable of it like i started using a natural deodorant and i feel like after like a month it just it works it took a month to get there but you know all right yes yeah, so yeah. this guy's like the, the oh. what this guy's like the stink-free buddha he is buddha probably stank a little no he was at one point he was a chubby fella and he was walking all over the place that's true he logged a lot of miles but he was still big you're probably right and like, like some of that, I, you know, I don't know his exact area, but like, you know, it's weird know, that he some, got off climates some some mountains to cross. Seems like he got chubby as he went on in age, which is odd because he spent so much time walking and he started skinny. Yeah, there's a movie where, where like little kid Keanu plays the little kid Buddha. That sounds familiar. It's called Little Buddha. Oh, the title was Little Kid Buddha. Just like Gandhi too, my other favorite historical <laughs> fiction. 
Um, yeah, and little kid Keanu, as you might surmise, not not a porker. No, he. I don't. I could not imagine Keanu porking it up. <laughs> he is a slender pole of a man. He is <sighs> very svelte, Keanu. He's a. He is a. He's a man. Well, um. What is just, this show? Oh man, I was gonna get there eventually. Oh, take your time. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, talking points. What are they? Um, Laura Dern. We're trying to watch all her junk, and we're getting there, Max. I've adjusted the list, and we are we're down to the wire now. Yeah, there It'll are be a few, wild few weeks. I'll tell you that much. There are a few. Do can we have like an administrative point here? Uh, yeah. What about like the shows? I know that's the thing I was thinking about. We're gonna have to talk about how we want to handle that. If you want to rather just like talk about a series like over just the course of an episode and just like the bold points or whatever, or if you want to like break stuff up. I feel like if we're watching full series, we should devote a little more to them. That's fair. Yeah, I just wasn't really sure. Cause like uh, F is for family. There's like 24 episodes, um, obviously enlightened and- um, Big Little Lies. Yeah. Now see, I, I've seen all three of them. In fact, I love all three of them. In fact, one of them is in my Between Two Darrens, but I won't get ahead of myself. Actually, definitely, I've definitely, I think I've seen all of F is for Family. The other two I haven't really touched on, but we'll figure it um, out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I'm glad you all got to be there for that meeting, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Yep. Yeah. We're trying to... uh, that's your, your public comment window. And uh, we've had 547 downloads over the course of like... How many episodes have we done? Like 40 some. So yeah, y'all are listening. You did it. 10 of you an episode ish. I don't know. But yeah. Ooh, oh boy. Uh, no Dern news this week. She's and out uh, of the spotlight. Yeah, you know, she's not doing much. She filmed Jurassic Park in COVID times, and that's about it. She's just out there. She could be anywhere. Yeah, she's right behind you, Liz. Oh, God. No, there's a large Santa right behind me. Also a boy peeing and a drag queen. Yes, there is. That was. I that feel was... like if somebody only knew you from this podcast, mm-hmm. they would have guessed those three exact things. Like you could have. By the way, these are all real. They're in my room. Oh, this is completely accurate. There's a real boy peeing. There's a real drag queen above it. And there's the real like large severed head. Yeah, that's how I how I roll. Um, so I've been out of work because COVID. This is my last point. Then we can do real stuff. But it's my big turn, so I can do whatever I want and start whenever I want. Um, this isn't what it's about. <laughs> I don't care. We we're gonna just keep pushing off Dern until like the last few episodes just need to not be about it at all. That's my goal here. My goal is to slowly transition into our next podcast without telling anybody or advertising it. <laughs> just one day we introduce it and it has a different name and everyone's Oh yeah, we'll just, we'll reformat. Oh yeah, um, I don't know, what are we going to call it? Uh, Beauty Tea. <laughs> um, I'm for Parks. I'm just reading stuff on my bulletin board. Um, I Heart Boys. Yo. <laughs> That's, that'll get the queer market. 
that's it they're they're big time good morning girls and gays gays love a podcast do they i feel like gays as a demographic would least love podcasts i there's a lot of gay podcasts they do they do great with visual media (laughs) gays do love a good visual they do we can say this because we're in our committed relationship what was that what's your favorite gay podcast Oh man, favorite gay podcast. Uh, probably Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod. That sounds great. I wouldn't say it's necessarily gay, but I feel like both of the hosts are, one of them is very queer, the other is very queer friendly, and it just kind of works out to being pretty gay. It's a good one though. Um, but yeah, so I've been out of work, so I had to sell off a piece of my collection. Oh, really? My human collection. So I had to ship a piece of human brain to Canada today. Oh, I thought you were talking about... Oh, no. I mean, that too, but you know. That I that is a, a folk art cross made of burnt matchsticks that I sold to Max for $20. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you said you would cover the difference on that transaction, and you tipped me. I never received that. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Huh. How dare you? Sure, it did not have COVID. It was all a hoodwink. I did have COVID. Yes, I spent all those days in my room for fun to to swindle his podcasting partner out of six dollars or some such thing. Max Eagle, right? Max Eagle, is that you? No, that's not me. Uh oh, what is there? Eagle. I get how dare you somebody despise this country I love cats and cats eat birds so that's not you that is not me who is that I don't know but he's got your money oh no man he didn't even text me that's a different person I need to deal with this later yeah I'm gonna I can't if you're listening we're on to you. He was a don't, scummy. Don't leave the country. He was a scummy communications major. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I was too, but you know, he was worse. <laughs> so yeah, um, shipped brain to Canada. I was at a post office at eight thirty with everyone else at the post office at eight thirty with uh, three boxes. One of them had some brain in it. I don't know if it's gonna get there, but I have six hundred dollars. So, wow. Yeah. So Where did that you get paid what was that where'd you get the brain um i got it from a dot i i used to be more into buying these things i kind of settled over the when i got older and had like rent and stuff back when i didn't have rent and had like under the table jobs that would just funnel money into these things and uh resell them for maximum profit later but um where was it going with this oh i got it from a facebook group a doctor was selling it from his collection so yeah it was a big old chunk of brain i gotta ask you what'd you buy it for um a lot less i think it was like 150 ish maybe 200 tops that is some quality roi that's what i'm talking about no i was soundboard so- cash register sound <laughs> insert Hell yeah so all three listeners know that i now have some money in my savings yeah this is now yeah. a personal financial planning podcast it is uh but my invest, brains invest in brains now brains are big oh we should be like that guy that used to be on tv with all the noises what was his oh name? jim kramer he's still yeah. going he is yeah he's on, is he on a, like a network or does he have like his own weird like thing now he's still doing the same exact thing 
I didn't know. I that thought he or something. It, like it's breaking Cheers's records. <laughs> I, he must have jumped the shark by now. <laughs> like seven times. He just keeps jumping back and forth. Oh well, now that we've talked about uh human brains, uh townies invading the city, and what's a good third thing? Me paying the wrong person. How about a big dern? No, uh, let's start with another segment. It's Oh, go ahead. It's random trivia question for Nick. Oh, oh no. Oh, golly. Here's your question. Before it was passed by Entertainment Tonight in 2016, which music program was the longest-running, first-run, nationally syndicated program in American television history? When did it go off here? Um, we or, are not told. It was past oh. Entertainment Tonight broke its record in 2016. Oh, it was surpassed. Would that be um, Dick Clark's American Bandstand? Nope. Damn. No, it's um, right genre. Huh. Ah, man. I'm not sure. I can't think of another show like that. And I feel like it must be like an older one. What would be, well, it's an older and not so older because it was on for so long. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say Dick Clark's American Bandstand is to white Americans. Oh, would it be is to Night of the Apollo? Nope. Good what, is it, does it have, oh, what is it called? I know what you mean, though. Shit. Uh, was it... Mm. It's I don't know what music, it's called. But like, music focused. Dance and music. Something with Motown in it? No, it's Soul Train. Oh, Soul Train. You see, I, I, I've never really seen Soul Train. I've seen like a clip or two, but I was born in 1997. So, you know. Yeah. At least you're around for the Twin Tower. At least I made it for that. Thank God. I don't remember it. But, you know, people say it happens. So I believe it. Problem. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, it definitely happened. I've been there. Nick with a season long zero correct answers on random <laughs> trivia question segment. Unfair when you say that stat after one question. <laughs> I'm a consultant. Misleading stats is what I do. <laughs> oh, you're a podcaster to the bone. Well. How about we talk about some certain women? Ooh, which ones? Uh, three of them. It's a movie, actually. It's called Certain Women, a movie. <gasps> Would you believe it? We're talking about a movie this week, guys. Um, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Between two turns. Yeah. No. Okay, Certain Women, directed by uh, Kelly Reichard. I think record is how you say it. 2016. Um, it is like automatically went to the Criteria Collection, which is cool. And it's dedicated to. I mean, not autumn, but like that happened. Like it was like an IFC and a something else production. I don't know. Like it was, it was pretty much sent in almost right away to the Criteria. I think they're a lot less picky these days. Like I feel like when Criteria first started, they were like, oh, a Chaplin film and a Scorsese film, and now they're just like. Come on in, guys. It's all right. about who you know, folks. 
Exactly. Who you know and who you blow. And who this lady knows is her dog, Lucy, who the movie is dedicated to. <laughs> and from what I gathered, all of her movies are dedicated to her dog, Lucy. Aww. Also, her dog, Lucy, might be in this. I was kind of, um, what's the word? Skimming the uh, IMDb facts. Not 100% sure. There are dogs in this, though. So, this movie Certain is... dogs. What was that? I said certain oh. dogs. It's going to be your sequel. There's no rules saying a dog can't have an emotional journey. But, uh, well, yeah. We've all seen Homeward Bound. True. Except oh, maybe you, 97. I've seen Homeward Bound. It's a great movie. Babe 2, Pig in the City, also a great movie. Is it? Yeah, man. I never saw it. Pig in the City. That is way better than Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Actually, I don't know. Is it? I would like it more if Babe was lost in New York City. Although I haven't seen the movie in so long that Babe might have gotten lost in New York City. Yeah, I don't really know. I assumed he did. I mean, it's a That's pig from city. like, it's a pig from like, is it Ireland or Scotland? Or just England? Um, I'm trying to, where's James Cromwell from? I don't know. Wait, James Cromwell. The, no, I'm thinking of the dad, the the old man, and yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter though. That's not the movie we're talking about. So this movie is kind of a bummer. There's no music. There's very long scenes, not really long shots, but just like very drawn out things happen in it. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. So let's get going. We open with a nice long train shot, just a train coming towards you from soul you know, train it's not a soul train it's a coal train oh that was good save, save that for the end of the year real um <laughs> but yeah it was a train i think we're in Mo yeah we're in montana just like the those little towns with like nothing around them it's cold it looks super sad already and we start with laura dern she, she is like the first person out of the gate and her name is Laura, which I think is lazy. <laughs> like, I think she just didn't write a name and everyone called her Laura and she was like, heck yeah, that'll do it. Cut, print, kill the pig. But yeah, we see Laura Dern in like a, probably her apartment. She is post flagrante with a nice man named Ryan, who is Jones, James LaGrosse. From a drugstore cowboy he looks older now he seems just like a fun dad in this movie except that he kind of cheats on his wife but we'll get there later um but yeah he just had sex with laura dern laura dern's got to get back to her practice because she's a lawyer in this small montana town and that's when none other than jason harris comes in one of my favorite madman stars his name is fuller in this and he plays a montanan which is weird because i'm used to him being a brit that's jared harris what did I say? Jason. Oh, not Jason Harris. Jason Harris is a much, much worse man. You may know him as Lane Price on Mad Men. Yes, he hangs himself. Was like the executive that, did they buy them or something? He, he was like an underling for the company that bought the company, but then he like helped organize the coup or whatever it was. So, I mean, if you, if you like Mad Men, don't listen to what I just said, but you know. Yeah. Go back and don't listen. Memory erase that right now. 
Um, but yeah, he's there and he like comes into the law office and you could tell he's just kind of like a bored guy with nothing to do. He's like, just kind of like looking at the door and saying like, this is hung wrong. And he's like, just asking her questions. Um, it's, it appears he is out of work. He is a construction worker. He's pretty mean to his wife, apparently. And, um, he's upset because he's not getting money basically because he was hurt on the job. And then like, we cut ahead and they're at a like a meeting with another lawyer and he basically says like you took the first settlement so you don't get any more money and people said like hey you probably were drinking that day and stuff and he's just like fine whatever and he goes off to cry in a car or something and uh Dern is just feeling bad about it because you know she can't help this poor man he's also kind of a dick and kind of her responsibility a little bit at this point and um, he just like accepted an okay from a man, but when he talks to her, when she talks to him, he's just like, because you know, she's a woman in law. So yeah, Laura Dern is fighting against the man's world of Montana law, as we all do sooner or later. A lot of, lot of big belt buckles. Oh yeah, big belt buckles, big egos. It's a boys club. Jeez. Um, and then uh, Laura Dern gets broken up with over the phone, presumably by Ryan, Jared LaGrosse. Um, he basically just said- James, like, James hey, LaGrosse. James LaGrosse. Jared He's, Harris. Yeah, whatever. Um, and then, uh, so this happens and she doesn't even seem that upset. Like, it seems like it was just a fling, like a guy to sleep with just to feel something. Um, Fuller gets dropped off just like in a mall parking lot. And he's very upset. He like is yelling at the person that dropped him off. And Lord Dern, they get he gets in her car, and Lord Dern is like, "Do you want to get some food?" And then it just cuts to inside the mall, and it's like just like shots of native dancers and like costume, like doing dances in the mall, just like a community thing. There's one specific shot of like a person wearing like full Native American dress and like just getting food at a food court, which is interesting because it's just like a person in that dress like at a mall food court. And then we see that it's just Laura Dern walking around alone. And Jared Harris is just sitting in the car. So she goes back to him and then she starts driving him home and he's bickering and he's, he just keeps saying stuff like, all I can do now is get a gun and kill them all. And Laura Turn pulls over and says, I'm a lawyer, you can't say that. <laughs> and threatens to kick him out. And then he's like, I'll be good. And she's like, fine. And she keeps driving. And uh, then she goes home to her sad life where she's watching like sad PBS TV. And then she goes to sad bed all alone. Did I mention her apartment is sad? It's kind of sad. It's not the saddest house we'll see, but it's up there. Is this, um, when does this film take place? I mean, presumably modern day. Okay. Like there's cell phones, there's modern cars, there's no specific mention of date, but like, you know, it's... All right. I didn't know Montana got there. Got where? It's cell phones. Oh, well, you know. And maybe they just brought him out from big Hollywood land for this motion picture. Um, and then she gets called in the middle of the night because uh, Fuller is now holding the night guard of, I believe, the like town records office hostage with a gun. And she goes in, she has like a, excuse me, bulletproof vest. Um, she, she like talks to him. She reads his case. She's basically like, there's literally nothing you can do. I don't know what to tell you. And he's just like, you know what? You're right. You go out the front and tell them I'm coming and then I'll go out the back. And that's his solution. Like he's just going to get out of all this. 
and of course it doesn't work and he gets like snatched up real quick and uh that's it for that story for now i was hoping he'd go kill dozer nah he didn't kill anyone i don't even think he had bullets in the gun honestly i forget but you know so that story's over forget that story laura dern thing of the past now we're on to michelle williams love her i saw her live once in what context uh cheerleaders down on the on the turnpike no. on the turn i couldn't think of the road no but that's a strip club in philadelphia i saw her at on broadway cabaret the musical really so kind of a strip of jays no you know what i didn't i saw emma stone oh but i have the poster for when uh, michelle williams was doing it i'm a fool i'm a darn darn fool but yeah michelle williams she's running in the woods she goes back to this like really nice like canvas cabin tent like it's very like large Instagram cabin yeah like it looks like a place an influencer would stay yeah. it's kind of weird i don't really know what they do it's her she comes back and we see like a younger lady coming out of the tent and laughing and then she goes in and her husband is there ryan the man who was sleeping floor during the beginning Ooh. and oh. um at at this point you like the movie is very uh, ambiguous about a lot of things okay. like you don't know a lot of backstories and you don't know a lot of like what's going on with characters and like it, like it takes a little bit for you to learn that the woman who comes out of the tent is her daughter, and she's kind of, I don't know. The daughter is a teenager, so she's kind of awful. But Michelle Williams is also just mean to everybody all the time in this, and I don't really know why. Like, I don't know. She's just very off-putting to everyone who seems to care about her. And it, like at one point, the dad is alone with the daughter and just says like, "Try to be nice to mom." And she's like, is she sick or something? And he's just like, no, just try. And it's just, it just feels so sad that he's like stuck in this marriage. Um, where was I? Oh, they, they're going to Albert's house. Do, do you need some? Sorry, sorry fun, fun fact. Yeah. Michelle Williams, born yeah. in Montana. Holy cow. You know, I think there was a fact that Laura Dern plays a native Montanan, which she also is in Jurassic Park. Ooh, yeah. Aren't they in Montana doing the dig? Actually, yeah, they are at the uh, the place, you know, the mountain. Where Sam Stuff. Neil traumatizes a child. Love exactly. That. God. If I could just traumatize one child, I'd be happy. Um, so they're going to Albert's. He is an old man. Um, we don't really know the relation, but he has a bunch of sandstone like in his front yard that they want for the house they want to build, which is going to be on the site of the fancy tent, which I, which I guess they just keep there. And um, they just go in and kind of like ask him if they can buy it from him or just have it. And he's like a sad old man and he's like kind of rambly, but in a way that you can tell he just doesn't see people very often. He's not like out there. And it's just such a weird off-putting scene because like it's so hard to tell if they're taking advantage of him or if like he knows what he's giving away. 
And then they leave and the wife is like, why were you not helping me in there? And the husband was like, I was just giving him the option not to do it if he didn't want to. And it was very, I don't know, gave me weird vibes. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Where's Kristen Stewart? Oh, we're getting there. That's oh, the okay. that story, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm like trying to remember how to retell the, like so little happens in these segments because they're just such long, quiet, kind, kind of like bummer scenes, man. Yeah, I guess that that's instant qualification for the Criterion Collection. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they go and get the rocks and that's, and then they like, no, we'll get there. It does do some flashing back at the very end. Now we're on the rancher. Um, this is just a lady. She works alone on a small farm in the middle of nowhere. There's like a horse. There's a dog. She works alone. She's very sad, it seems. And she just goes to this night class at the high school, like at random. And the teacher is none other than Elizabeth Travis or Kristen Stewart. By the way, the rancher is just called the rancher. We never learned her actual name. And then uh, after the class, they go to a diner. Um, there's a very neat detail that I picked out here that um, Kristen Sewer is wiping her mouth with like the still rolled up silverware napkin. <laughs> I don't know why, but that stuck out to me so much. And I was like, huh, people do that. Yep. I've been a people that's, that's done a, that. A very human touch. God. Yeah, Kristen Stewart is a human. <laughs> and a lesbian human, but we'll get there. Or will we? Um, yeah, this... This one is just so upsetting because you know so little. Like it's, you can kind of pull the implication that it's supposed to be like a queer romance story, but also like it could just be this woman is very lonely and sad. And she like keeps going to this class and she keeps hanging out with her afterwards. And we find out that Kristen Stewart has like a four hour drive back at night. And she leaves around 10 o'clock. So she gets back at like two. Then she has to go to work the next morning. And it's just like a, really hard time for her the last time they meet in the class the rancher she like is getting ready she like brushes her teeth and combs her hair she's like priming to the level that she prims and she rides her horse there and then like takes Kristen Stewart on the horse and they go and have like a pretty decent like heart to heart about stuff they talk about their families and a little bit like nothing crazy it's just like kind of extended small talk and also, Albert is there. He's just eating soup. Oh, what's up? You see one shot of the old man eating soup alone. Where's your sandstone, old man? <laughs> they, that's what they said, and they threw meatballs at him. You know, a diner. They have it all. You want spaghetti? You want meatloaf? You want breakfast at 3 a.m.? Diners. Yep. That's why I couldn't work in a diner. It'd be way too stressful. Yeah, you gotta, like, know 80 different things. Exactly. Heck that, man. I know like eight different things and I'm good. So yeah. Um, and then the next week she goes to the class and guess what? Kristen Stewart quit. And this really lame teacher dude is there and he's just like, as you'll probably learn, I've been divorced. I'm a lawyer in the town and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. And then she storms out and she gets in her truck and then she just drives to the town that Kristen Stewart lives in. Cause you know, that's what you do when you make one friend. You drive four hours to see them after hanging out with them for a cumulative, probably like eight hours over the course of a month. Yeah, I feel like four hours is a, a short Montana commute. I mean, yeah, that's nothing. 
I feel like people in the middle of the country, it's like a meme that they will, they don't think long drives are that bad because it's all they know. Yeah. You know, why fly? It's only a five hour drive. Exactly. Oh, I would never fly if it's a five Actually, hour drive. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But if I feel like my fly point would be somewhere around 10 hours, depending. Yeah. Where I'm going. Depends, yeah. depends who's dying. Exactly. Yeah. The boss man's paying for it. Ah, whatever. I'll take, take the Acela. <laughs> I want to take the um. Uh, what was that? Uh, what was that really quick plane that they stopped using because it was dangerous? The Concord. Like, yeah, I want to take the Concord to New York from Philly. <laughs> I don't think it was dangerous. It was just that there like was oh. not the infrastructure for them. True. I feel like one of did one of them crash or did I make that up? Something happened. I feel like near the end, one of them crashed and they were like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. That's PR. <laughs> Throw this incredibly expensive vast plane away. <laughs> but yeah, I want to get it from Philly to New York. It's what it'll what'll it be? Like a three-minute flight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. God, I wish. Anyway. So she goes to this town. It's just cold and sad and nighttime. She's wandering around and she goes to the one law office in town and it's locked because, you know, it's nighttime in Montana. So then she sleeps in her truck, which is cold and sad. By the way, her apartment is very, her house on the ranch is very cold and sad. There's just like wires stapled to the drywall and like it's not painted or anything. And then it's morning. <clears throat> she goes in the law office. Laura Dern passes her as she's coming in and you're like, that's Laura Dern from the other story. But we'll get back to that. So she's looking for this lawyer. She finally finds her at another like work building complex and they talk for like three minutes and then she leaves. And it's kind of a bummer. She's Kirsten Stewart is just like, oh, you're here. You drove here. And she's like, yeah, I just wanted to see you again. And then they say like one or two more sentences and she's like, well, I got to get back and feed the animals. They'll wonder where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And then she just leaves. And there's like so there's no closure at all it's just so open-ended yeah man i don't know but don't worry there's more there's no closure but there's more um uh she gets in her truck and just starts driving and then at one point she just like drives off the road and through a fence and then stops in the middle of a field like intentionally oh yeah like she just She's not like sleeping. She just kind of like is very sad, visibly sad. Like her face is just the saddest face. She just like swerves off and just sits there a minute. And then we go back to Dern. Guess what she's doing? Law. Yep. She's visiting Fuller for lunch on a Sunday because that's what you can do in Montana where only four people are in jail. Um, she brings milkshakes and they're just talking and Fuller seems like generally happier than he was any of the other film. He's talking about his wife who left him for another inmate. Okay, so he's, is it a prison brunch or he's like no, to go kick he's it with Dern for the afternoon? in jail. I think she brings it to him. Like, it's like the visitor room and she's gotcha. a lawyer and there's four people in jail. So gotcha. she just brings food and they're talking and he's like, yeah, she left me. And Laura Dern is like, do, do you want to talk to her or find her? And he's like, yes, no, I don't know. They just say a few things. And then he's basically like, you know, like you should write me and stuff. I'm really lonely, but I'm doing better. And she's like, okay, and that's the end of that story. We're done. No more Lord Dern. Should yeah, I stop? She, or she I didn't write him? him. Oh, no. 
maybe. I mean, oh, keep going. The fact that she still saw him makes me think she probably cares about him at least enough because you know she probably has like two clients and this is half of her clients because there's <laughs> only four people in jail in Montana, as I've repeated several times now. Um, we look go... it up. It's true. What was that? I was telling the listeners to look it up. Uh, it's true. Yeah, you're right. And then we cut back to Michelle and uh, things seem a little better. There's like a bunch of people at their weird cabin tent and they're watching football and Michelle's like making food. And then she goes out to her car to smoke a cigarette and like have a glass of wine. And then she's looking at the stacked wall of sandstone. She just smiles. And that's the end of her story. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention earlier, she's like the boss of whatever company her and her husband work at. But yeah, so she got her smoke and her drink and her sandstone, so she's feeling good, I guess. Maybe she'll stop terrorizing you mean her mean everyone. <laughs> and uh, then we go back to the rancher, and she's just ranching. And that's it. Cool. She just wakes up, and she's like listening to the radio while working on the cold, cold ranch. And that's that's all. That's the whole movie. Did you, like, did you like it? I Yeah, I did not like it. I feel like it was... It was, it was over two hours long. And I think I just described it in about 20 minutes in the detail it usually takes me to describe something, which is pretty fair. <coughs> I would say it could be shorter. It's just very drawn out. There's no music. It's like, it's not a feel good movie. Let me put it that way. Sure. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a castaway adjacent movie in that there's no music and that it's a long bummer. I don't know, it's worth watching. It's interesting to see all these people together and like the director clearly has a very specific style of doing things. <coughs> Excuse yeah, me. It does have uh, excellent reviews. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a good, it's a movie. Universal acclaim. Ooh, well, I don't trust Universal anymore. They got rid of the Jaws ride. Fuck them <laughs> hoes. Draws ride is great. Now I have to go to Japan if I want to go on it, which I will, but still. <laughs> which will be sick. You could go to Florida. No, I really do want to go to the theme parks in Japan. They seem super dope and they have rides that we'll never have here. Ooh, like what? Um, there's a Sinbad ride at um, Sinbad, I think the, the, the comedian. comedian. Yeah, you know how like <laughs> like uh, Drew Carey had like the Drew Carey experience. Yeah, it's like that, but Sinbad. No, it's like the Sinbad the Sailor. It's at Disney Sea, which is the like watery Japanese Disney park. Um, I didn't know that existed. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And there's I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but there's a few really neat looking things, and obviously they still have like Jaws at Universal and stuff like that. You know, and you get to see like Asian Mickey and stuff. Yeah. It's like regular Mickey, but you know, Japanese, I guess. There's a little Go Japanese on. lady instead of Go a little uh, Mexican lady. <laughs> oh, inside of Mickey. Yeah. Gotcha. Almost, I've, I've heard on good authority from my people that work in, in the walls that a good majority of mickeys and minis are just small latina women because they're the only people that fit yeah because they're very specific about heights but yeah so uh that's my movie we did it for lucy the dog maxi boy what's between your dirts way to go lucy you have 
a question about Lucy or the movie. I do not. Good, because I am done talking about it. I can tell. Drink, um, drink, and listen to you talk. I watched a, a Dern adjacent film called Brad's Status. Now, this is from a few years ago, directed by Mike White, who you may remember as the director of School of Rock, The Year of the Dog. No. And School of Rock. No, that's Richard Linklater. Oh, yeah, he wrote it, though. Oh, right. Yes, he did. <laughs> he was um, there. No, he was there. To Brad's status, and I will, whenever we do Enlightened, which is Mike White, I'll gush over that completely. Brad's status? Nah. Ben Stiller, his son's looking at colleges. Ben Stiller's like um, self-absorbed and really worried, really like worried about how all his friends are way more successful. But he appears to be like upper middle class. His kid's like maybe going to get into Harvard. Like things are good. Um, And he's anxious and unhappy. It was like, it was nice, but it wasn't, it wasn't like fun. I didn't like <laughs> care. We'll see with with Enlightened where we have a, a flawed lead character who is annoying in their own way, but also very like engaging and electric. In this, Ben Stiller is not. Brad status, meh, like white, not your best. Um, I just watched the latest season of F is for Family. Ah, you know, I think I am one season behind actually. Yeah, I hadn't, it was nice to get back into it. Um, It's a show that reminds me most of BoJack Horseman, in a way. Um, In, it it has its differences for sure, but where BoJack might seem on the face like a a ridiculous show, or it's, you know, you don't know how like deep it's going to be when on, on first watch with BoJack. And it's very much about this one like celebrity person, which is a very interesting use case. I feel Mm -hmm. like F is for family is the same idea with a much more mundane, a much more everyman, regular 70s suburban um, sort of family dealing with the economic struggles of that. And it's one that it's like very juvenile at times. It, it like, you know, it, it's funny, it's, it plays for laughs a lot, but like the meat of what the characters experience is very real and very intense and um, very human and important. And I think it doesn't get enough credit. I don't think people see it as a BoJack type show in that way, um, but I would argue that it is. Uh, and I watched Soul, the Pixar film. You know, I've been meaning to get around to that this week. Yeah, it's um, one of the best Pixar films ever. It's amazing. Good. I keep hearing really good things about it, which is promising, because, you know. For me, the one, it has now supplanted Inside Out in my top three. Inside Out is no longer on Max's top three pick list films. Whew. Pixar films. Pick list. Pick list. That's a work thing. Oh, God. I've been working. <laughs> Stop so dropping work buzzwords on uh, our podcast. Oh, if you need help with your Salesforce environment, please contact Aaron after reading. Oh, what if? <laughs> um, Soul's amazing. Watch it. Well, I've heard Jamie Foxx is a monster on the piano. Yeah, that's not really him. 
Oh, it's not? No, that's the beauty of cartoons. Man, I, th- I heard it was him. I don't Are think you sure? No, yeah, I don't think Jamie Foxx is that sugar? was. He played Ray Charles. I know, that's why I'm like, maybe it was. Like, I think he might actually be really good at piano. Maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think he's this closed. good. And I think I read that it was someone else. A musician, perhaps. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Whoever it was. Maybe it was Billy. Amazing. What, what's that? Billy Joel, tickling the ivories. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that? and twos. My favorite. Not, that's a different thing. Ah, whatever. My favorite line from the Blues Brothers is when Ray Charles offers to sell them the piano and he says, I'll throw in the black keys for free. Hey, oh. Good. A great line. line. It's funny. Because <laughs> usually you have to pay extra for them. Oh, boy. Anything else between your darns, bud? Um, oh, yeah. Um, a musical duo I've been listening to a bit who's very fun is the Leuven Brothers. And they are like a 50s Christian Southern like harmony group. Um, it's two brothers. You know the, the Everly Brothers? Yeah. That like that that harmonizing they do like the Leuven brothers started that that was their thing, um, and they're fun and like they have a song I love called the Great Atomic Power, which Ooh, is a part. I, I know that song. Oh, I, I think I played it for you. Oh yeah, I was going to say like I've definitely heard that. Yeah, um, it's from a time when Christianity like had this weird apocalyptic view towards nuclear destruction which is like fair this was the 50 like that was that was pretty front and center um and it's an interesting artifact of that and it's a a banger of a song and i did some digging on them and one one of the brothers was in fact a good upstanding christian and the other was like a drugged up womanizer and i love that that feels like the right Let's you know it's real. Exactly. Oh, man. Anyway, what, what do you got be- between your durants? Crazy that all the churches used to have like mushroom clouds, stained glass. Glad they took that all out. That'd be weird now. <laughs> um, well, you know, I I was pretty much quarantined in the entire interim of last episode to now. So I watched a lot of movies. Um, a couple I'm not going to mention because, you know, not all movies are great and not all of them are worth mentioning on this podcast i finally watched jojo rabbit it is fantastic and i'm so glad i finally got to it um the idea of hitler being a boy's imaginary friend is the funniest thing i've ever seen and tt what tiki i believe is how you say his name maybe i do not know how you say his name but i adore him T.T. Watiki is a great man. I would want no one else to play Hitler. He's Hitler? I haven't seen it. I did oh, not know he was. He's the director oh, who plays Hitler. Is this movie funny as hell? Because I also didn't know that, if that's the case. Oh, yeah. Like, there's, it's a little dark at times. I don't, I'm I not, assume and hope so. I, like, there, I'm not going to get too into the weeds because I feel like there's some big spoilers I could drop, but, you know, it gets to be a big bummer, but, like, it all kind of works out. And it has a sweet ending. And uh, yeah. Um, and I was talking to a friend while watching this. 
and we came onto the subject of Native American clowns. Now, let me walk you through how we got there. Um, oh man, I'm gonna have to try to remember this now. We were talking about Mount Rushmore and replacing all of the presidents with clowns. Okay. And then I said, we need to make one of the clowns Native American as like a, an in-between gesture to the people that the land belongs to. And then we got into looking up Native I American. I like these of in-between. It's like, we will, we will concede the small fraction of this sacred Native mountain that we've completely defaced. So then I got looking into Native American clowns and there is like a certain like almost like like gestury like character that exists within Native American lore and like communities and it's like part of their traditions. And then I found this monstrosity I'm going to show you now. Oh God, no. <laughs> it is the most upsetting painting yes, of a cool. like- well, it, If anyone's familiar with, <laughs> like there is this classic bit of Americana, these like sad clown paintings that a lot, like my grandmother had some in her house. Oh, I have one right up on the wall. That's Santa Claus. No, it's over there. It's a sad clown with like the fake beard and it's raining and it says no show today and he's sitting there all sad. Aw. I love that sad. one. And but like yeah. those are kind of creepy. This, <laughs> this is like take one of those clowns and give them the mo the brightest most ostentatious like native um headdress and in, like and like put make it very bright in front and center and the eyes are completely dead the head looks like a toe the face is terribly twisted give, give me one more time and you can tell he's a white man which makes it all yes. the worse oh yeah and this is absolutely a white man and that is a face of utter horror like it is <laughs> i will post it on the instagram for no other reason than i need more people to see that there was an episode of are you afraid of the dark and i'm not sure if it was a clown exactly uh-huh um but it it was a some sort of like uh, jestery type monster that would like had blue goo pouring out of its mouth. I don't like that. Um, and this looks like a mix of like if that creature and Homer Simpson, like, oh. ooh, you had know, a child and that child like wore very offensive, culturally appropriate headdress. It really does look like Homer, like as a base. Ugh. Anyway. So that happened. I just needed you to know about it. Um, watched The Departed, finally. Oh, you hadn't seen it. A very good movie. A romp of action. A Scorsese film I would suggest to anybody who has not seen it yet. Everyone's against everyone and everyone's a double agent. It's great. Yeah, I will, I will say um, I'd also recommend Infernal Affairs, which would be the, um, is it Chinese? I believe it's a Chinese film. It may be a Korean film, but it's like, it's, you know, The Departed without the Boston and the Scorsese. And it's it's fantastic too. No, Boston, why even watch it? And finally, I must say that I have been absolutely um, cleaning house with the Larry Sanders show. I started, I, I did like four episodes the other night. It is fantastic and there's just one like 
small plot arc I will tell you because it is just the funniest thing. It won't really spoil anything. At one point, Larry decides he's done doing the show. He's like, I'm done, I'm leaving, I'm going to Montana, which is something he often threatens to do, just like leave and go to Montana. And he goes and he fucking hates it. And then he has to come back, but he can't just say like, oh, I just didn't want to do it, now I want to come back. He had to fake being in rehab. So he had to fake <laughs> having a drug problem. And then he comes back and he accidentally develops a painkiller problem after he had faked it and then he, he can't use the same excuse again so he has to just like get detoxed on his own <laughs> and it, it's so subtle how they work up the fact that he's just abusing pills like it's so subtle and like whatever and then eventually it becomes a big problem like in the time of one episode i don't know it is a fantastic show i've been hitting it hard jeffrey tambor is an amazing man um i really wish Riptorn was still alive yeah I will say, I don't know that Jeffrey Tambor is an amazing man, but oh, I, I would agree he's an amazing actor. Yes. I feel I feel like his character is probably fairly close to what he's like in person, maybe. Which yes, upsets me, it but so. yeah. it worked out for this comedic masterpiece. And that's my Derns this week. Oh, they were full. All right. Better. Yeah. Man. Dern. Well, uh, I lied. We're not going right to Little Dern. Oh. Um, so we both just peed in our respective toilets. How long do you think it's going to take for our pee to like get together? Oh, good question. Um, like what? I don't know. The fact that we're on opposite sides of a river. I mean, it bo- it'll both go into the river, though. I mean, mine will get there first. You are closer. Yeah. It's funny that all the sewage just runs into the river in Philly. Yeah. It's probably better that way. <laughs> I wonder how how recently that wasn't what just happened. Like, when did that stop being just what you did with sewage? Yeah, because that definitely must have been a thing until, like... Oh, yeah, like, early 1900s, like, all the, like, horse shit in the roads, just, like, shoveling it into, into the water supply. <laughs> I think I might even said this on the show before, but I know, like... The rivers around Manhattan were so polluted with um, developing chemicals from all the photography businesses in the city that you could almost develop pictures in the river. Oh, I believe it. Do you know? Do you know about Cleveland's burning river? Oh yeah, it's great. Still burning, right? Oh yeah, two hundred years they say. The old Cuyahoga. <laughs> it's like the Springfield uh, tire fire. Tire fire. <laughs> Never goes. Out. Well, little Dern, what about it? Well, ah, we meet again, Mr. Lynch. So I watched a 1990 avant-garde musical. Don't sound so thrilled. Like theater production called Industrial Symphony Number One, The Dream of the Broken Hearted. Mm-hmm. by david lynch and uh long-time listeners will know that i have a, a bit of a fraught relationship with mr lynch i find his work often pretentious and um criminally overrated <laughs> and i haven't seen too too much but it's growing this one okay so when this this starts the the first thing you see, and you can watch this all on YouTube if you so desire. It's 51 minutes long. Um, 
first you get the like the VHS tape FBI warning, which <laughs> I love on like what presumably is a bootlegged YouTube upload. Um, and then there's this really cool um, animated stick figure and all these bright colors. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this looks fucking awesome. I was like, maybe this will be great. And then that, like, the animation continues and it's uh, Warner Reprise Video. It's just, like, the production company or the um, distributor or something. Uh-huh. And that was one of the best parts of this. Ooh. <laughs> but it was really good, that, the, that animation. Oh. So, like, this wasn't, this was, like, a top tier like I want to, I'll find just the video of that animation and I'll send it to you because you'll be like, yeah, that that's really fucking cool. Are, are you familiar with like the um, Orion production animation? Oh, of course. How would you rate it with that as like a comparison? I mean, Orion is such right. Like I that evokes childhood feelings in me where this does not. Um, <laughs> that's what I like about this. <laughs> that said. This is more splashy and bright and more of like a full screen kind of affair. And like early 90s colors, like this one's newer than Orion in that way. Um, It's great. Does it hold? Like, I don't know. You you gotta make some good movies for like that to really stick. Um, So let's get into it. I am excited. As best I can. And I apologize in advance because I'm going to try to explain the plot of an avant-garde David Lynch musical to you. And, you know, there's no plot. Let's get that out. It's no cats. It's (laughs) not even close. Um, So right off the bat, we get we get like a split screen telephone conversation between Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage. Okay. And both of them are a little, are very Lynchian things, sort of stilted and not quite human in their delivery. <laughs> um, the, audi- the audio is like a couple seconds off on this YouTube video. And I like to assume like that's just because that's like how David Lynch made it. Cause I was going to say, maybe that's just how it's supposed to be. Um, so we're, it's like this, conversation like this breakup conversation or something you know it's not it's vague but it's sort of this this pleading this back and forth and then the sound there's no music at this point and then the sound like then you can't hear them talking at all it's just like the audio is just muted mm-hmm right when it gets kind of like the crescendo of their conversation and Dern is shouting please and you could read it on her lips but you can't hear it and instead this like sharp cacophonous music just like kicks in um and I knew this was a musical and like that's the introduction of the music that was fucking cool that was I'm gonna say that up top Lynch um because I'm not going to say it much more for the rest of this segment. That was pretty fucking cool. Um, and at this th- at this time, I wondered if this is a really good medium for David Lynch. Um, avant-garde, right? Because he deals so much with visceral 
visual, like trying to evoke intense emotion through like a set piece, uh, a musical note, um, a like wild behavior, like these kind of moments. He's remembered for these these moments. And I think one thing I think he really struggles with is then like cobbling a plot around there because like the plot's not relevant, but it still needs to be there. And it's kind of like it, his plots don't feel like a good way to say what he's trying to say with like how he crafts things. And it's clear that he like is very interested in like a visual moment throughout everything I've seen of his. Um, and so I was wondering if like this kind of avant-garde musical might be a better medium. So he, he just doesn't have to be constrained by plot at all. Like this is something you'd see like in a museum showing or some special, like this would be like, um, yeah, something that an art museum would run like a viewing of kind of thing. Um, and so I like, I didn't mind this for that reason a lot. Like in many ways, this wasn't my cup of tea and we'll get into that, but like avant-garde art is, it absolutely is the space to like do this weird shit. And David Lynch loves doing weird shit and he feels a little more at home here than um, other stuff. And so, so then we get um, like this lounge singer and my first thought, and not just because I need to shoehorn it into everything I watch, was Shortcuts, 1993, Robert Altman, uh-huh. which I've described as like a better, um, infinitely better movie trying to hit the same themes as Blue Velvet. Um, and this lounge singer feels like the lounge singer character from that, where she's like down and sullen and... It's sort of this like dream pop, but also like this like bassy, dark darkness, dark undertones. Um, it felt like it was similar to this this kind of very melancholic lounge singer in Shortcuts. And my first thought was like Lynch fucking ripped off Shortcuts. <laughs> no, this was three years earlier, so maybe I've got to tip my cap. Maybe Lynch had some influence on something infinitely better, in which case I'd have to give Lynch credit in that regard. Um, Lynching has never been a bad thing. (laughs) Wait a minute, wait. (laughs) That came out- I hope you're proud of yourself, Nick. (laughs) Hope you're proud of yourself, boy. (laughs) No, no, no. Oh boy. And so like, all right. That That was pretty good, I liked it. Yeah, well done. Um, (laughs) So, so then, so we've got the the Nick Cage Dern phone call. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that's like not shown like live on a stage. The rest of this is a performance. It was a live performance. For all I know, Dern and Nick Cage were there like filming that. I don't know. But after that, it's more like stage numbers. And we, and this like felt so unsurprising right after that, like they're gone from the movie. That's it. They were in this opening scene, then they kick off the music and then they're gone. Now, apparently we have not yet watched Wild at Heart, 
which is a David Lynch film starring the two of them. It, Apparently it, these like are their characters. Hmm. Um, not by name, but sort of, I don't know if they're like identical or very similar, but we'll find out. And I will say, I think Lynch, like that feels to give, give his stuff a sameness across film. Like I get the idea of connecting the stories, right? Which he's done a few times as best I understand. Um, and like, you know, that's a very like Stephen King thing to do, like putting things in the same universe. But I think it really works with King because the stories will be different, right? He will, it's not always um, some like visceral, you know, horror B plot with King. Sometimes it's like an emotional coming of age story, something it's like a supernatural thriller. Like he takes these different, they're not all the same. With Lynch, it feels like this kind of, this style of, and it feels so like 80s, um, this style of sort of visceral imagery that sometimes feels like it's just playing for shocks of like taking something mundane and then like making it grotesque. Whoa, like that seems to be all he's got. Um, and so that's what, when I see those connections and I haven't seen Wild at Heart, like, I, you know, there's plenty of David, I'm willing to give him the shot, but from what I've seen, that gives these a, a sameness by putting the same characters in that it feels even less like you're not adding much. Um, Nick, did you have something you wanted to say? Yes, you were mentioning um, David Lynch kind of like connecting universes. Little known fact, um, the Elephant Man is actually in every episode of Twin Peaks. Is that an actual fact? It, it no. It, <laughs> I was just imagining like Superman and Seinfeld. <laughs> He's just, he's on the fridge in one episode. He's like, just walked by a window in another. That feels like a thing he would have done though. It does, absolutely. Maybe, could you imagine if this unearthed now and no one else ever noticed it? I'd be a king. You would be. Man, so many internet forums would celebrate you. I get a, a weird, like solid black, unopenable wooden box in the mail from David Lynch's office. <laughs> Unopenable. Like perfect corners. It's painted <laughs> with like the Vanta black paint. Uh, That'd be it. incredible. <laughs> um, okay, so we get this lounge singer. They will recur. And then, then it kind of shifts gears from the sort of ominous dream pop into very industrial sounds like metal sheet metal being banged with a hammer in a in a factory of some of some kind um and again it's called industrial symphony number one so this makes sense um it's this real and it's this long drawn out kind of musical piece where very kind of slow industrial sludge um and it reminds me, it reminds me like it could be like Massive Attack, which is music from around this time, which definitely some of their stuff use these same kind of like real slow, dark, foreboding kind of long um, music. And then, but Massive Attack would then build up and like not like drop the proverbial beat 
where it would hit it would hit a crescendo things would get big and punchy and exciting um and like it makes the stuff that preceded it better Mm. this doesn't quite get there it's a lot of slow without much payoff um those noises are just what david lynch falls asleep to it it feels that way he has a white noise machine that just plays industrial symphony um and then we get so then the industrial kind of gives way to like it gets kind of synthy and it almost has like a light at the end of the tunnel feel and it's sort of like like the music is evoking like everything will be all right like it was scary but everything's going to be fine like it's all it's all a bad dream and things are good or like you've made it to heaven these kinds of evocative feelings um and then it gets really cacophonous and shrieky like out of nowhere which again just feels like that lynch look it's great no it's not like all right cool man i get it the suburbs are spooky um that's and then it gets really it does get kind of intense but not musically like it doesn't it doesn't pick up in this way it doesn't like explode musically mm-hmm. um but there's this red like like a skinless flayed demon hoof creature and with like these bloody sinewy like skin like running down his legs and up his torso and all his head um and he's on very large stilts and it's like the leg costumes like you can't see the stilts but you can tell that's what's been done here um it looks fucking cool this is another one like right where sometimes lynch really hits these he can be quite good at crafting an image in that way um it's like because at first I didn't realize it and then the camera pans and you're like whoa like that's a dude on giant stilts just like taking up this entire stage in this crazy costume with a rack of like real antlers on top um it's unsettling and cool some of the shots of it it like really capture like kind of the the scale and the the presence and intensity of it but then other shots kind of ruin ruin it and just like are from far away and you can see the whole thing and it's like oh it's just a guy on stilts like um so there were like hits and misses there but it looked the dude looked really awesome um and like that was with pretty shitty video quality so maybe on like high quality or seeing that on a stage that really that would have hit for me absolutely the hardest of this whole this whole dumb thing i mean um, once COVID's over they're gonna be touring everything like everyone's gonna come out from under a rock to do a tour and i think david lynch should do a live tour with this with this character yeah just like run the show just like vaudeville take it to every town yeah <laughs> get a boy that's <laughs> a boy on stilts <laughs> He can just sit there in a director's chair watching it happen on the stage while everyone else watches it. <laughs> It'd be good. Um, all right, then the uh, the little person who you mentioned was in some other Lynchian production, Twin Peaks, I presume? Yes, that fella. Um, so that fella then does this sort of like spoken word lounge act that about like breaking up with his girl and it apparently it's like continuing the Dern 
Nick Cage conversation from the beginning. Um, these are the first words since Dern and Nick Cage, and now we're almost done. Um, <laughs> before that, it was just just music, and yeah. it like yeah, the conversation does not feel meaningful. I like to me, um, and but it does end with he's doing like the spoken word about leaving his girl and breaking her heart, and he's like on the phone with her, and it ends. He goes click and he says it really loud he like interrupts his like spoken word that sounded a little heartfelt maybe and then the click is like i don't care i'm done with you peace and that was kind of funny um and it's this cool kind of like musical punchline then you get like a, a doo-woppy number doo-woppy dream pop thing then sirens happen and then, and this, uh, Lynch, do better than this, man. Um, Is he, though? No, apparently. A bunch of just, then there's, like, the set becomes power lines and, like, a bunch of naked dolls on strings suspended in the air, like, hanging from the power lines. Like, all right. And that's, like, the most trite, like, when you want to make like an edgy film in like your high school film class, it's like, yes, yeah, string up some naked dolls. <laughs> That's your move, man. Like, and this is 1990. Like, you weren't just starting. You were in the game for a decade. You're like, oh, yeah, well, naked dolls on strings because, ooh, isn't that, isn't that something? Isn't that subversive? Like, all right. Man, he's just here to freak out the squares, and he did it. Yeah. <sighs> It's, uh, that was the one, that to me felt like the biggest, just like, man, really? Like, <laughs> come on, dude. It's so, so hack. And like, it had to be hack in 1992. That wasn't some like groundbreaking idea. Um, the lounge singer flies away to heaven. Industrial banging sound kicks back in slightly. The end question mark no that was that was the end once he dies the other like 27 industrial symphonies will all be released overnight <laughs> god i just have such a hard time believing he only made one yeah absolutely this feels like something you crank out one of these turds every year but again <laughs> probably... not his biggest turd it like it had its moments and i do think the medium is better for his shit that's sometimes pretty good in that space and other times naked baby dolls maybe he has like a secret one-man show every year in the cat skills or something this felt like he'd get like a captive audience like make make a bunch of like people he knows go to like yeah some like cabin theater or something <laughs> and just like require them to sit through this that's haunting i also want to go <laughs> the, the uh, David Lynch fantasy camp. <laughs> That's uh, Max's biggest nightmare. Oh yeah, you'd hate it, but... I would absolutely hate it. And that's probably what Lynch would want because he's exactly. like an asshole. If you liked it, he'd be upset. Yes. He only invites people he knows will hate it. <laughs> and like, again, it's not like... 
it's not because it's avant-garde like i'm i'm open to weird shit like this um and sometimes i really like it but this like it was boring it was <laughs> flat and when it was trying to be big it never felt that big at all um it felt small when it was trying to be um intense the intensity most of the time was not there um yeah david lynch this is the best thing i've ever seen of yours and you still suck Jeez. well he's gonna be really upset when he hears this one yeah i imagine he listens to every podcast of all, all podcasts yeah every episode everyone I mean, the man's transcendentally meditated every day for the last 35 years. So, you know, it's got to get him something. Yeah, and this is all he got. Yeah, maybe your brain just don't have it, man. Yikes. Hey, when he puts that Elephant Man too, I'll be happy. If I meditated every day for 30 years, I'd make better movies than <sighs> Maybe, Maybe you just understand. think you'd have more to say. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he just understands movies in a way that we never could because we didn't do what he did. Start meditating, Max. That's fair. Give us a decade or two, we'll be, at, we'll be at his level. I did read a little bit of his book on transcendental meditation and it was really good. He like, he seems to know his shit in that space and I have quite a bit to say. Nice. Maybe you should just do that. Maybe Industrial Symphony Number 2 should be a book about meditating. I feel like making a symphony into a book you know what yeah but like he'd do it i was gonna say yeah the whole thing would just be the sheet music for it and no words ah <laughs> oh, beautiful <sighs> well i guess we can look at what's on the docket for next week if you want is it david lynch do you wild at heart no it's not i think i'm gonna save wild at heart <laughs> For when I'm for when I'm at my lowest, you're just gonna kick me while I'm down. I don't know. I think that might be our that might be our big finish. I'm, we're not ending with Lynch. Yes, Fuck we are. No, absolutely. Because no, we have an odd number. We have one more big. Let's number. end with Citizen Ruth. Neither of us seen as us have seen it. You're gonna shit your pants. Guess oh, never mind. Let's not end it with Citizen Ruth. Fine, Wild at Heart. Whatever. Yes. It no, we can end it with something sure. else. But um, yeah, and I will be watching them an episode or two. I one or two episodes of the Mindy Project. Ooh, fun! Have you yeah. seen it? I think I have seen an episode or two, coincidentally. So I will see another episode or two. Oh, good. Yeah, that uh, Mindy Kalen, heck of a lady. Yeah, I've seen. I think I watched like the first season. It's a fun one. Nice. It's nice. I like that. It's like. Um, I like the romance of it. It's like, especially with Mindy Kaling, it felt like, you know, oh, maybe it's going to be an office clone or something like that. Something that just feels too much in that world. Um, and I, I liked the the romance as a real driving part of the story. Well, I hope she has a romance with Laura Dern or I'm not going to like it that much. She may. I don't know. Ooh, I like that ambiguity. 
Yes, you do. You like twisted your hair like very. So right now, hold on. I want to describe this for the listener. So some may know, you know what I'm going to say. You know what's hilarious? It looks like the hair is a continuation. That's exactly what I'm going to say. So Nick has, (laughs) Nick is known for his handlebar is that yes. a silver mustache? Oh, yes, it is. I don't have it waxed right now, but I pretty much am always growing it out. Even when I cut it all off, it just grows right back. Yeah. Uh, much like a Raleigh Fingers, if you will. There you go. Great sports reference. Thank you. And so right now, Nick's, Nick's hair's getting a little, a little long in the back. It's coming down right about mustache level, and it, <laughs> it flips out on each side, just like a little, little bit of hair loop. curled it sideways. <laughs> And so when Nick's looking straight at the camera, it looks like this mustache is twice as long and extending past his face. Um, hold on, look at camera so I can get a screenshot. It's so eerie. It's like a Robert Ripley cartoon or something. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Really? Robert Ripley? No. Yeah, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Robert, you you know his first name. Yeah, I know his first Dork. name. I follow him very closely. Dork. I've been to. Some all right, of- all right. Raleigh Fingers mustache. People without that mustache do not know Ripley's first name. Yeah, if I shave this off, I'd forget it instantly. <laughs> but yeah, he's actually his first name. He went by Robert, but his first name was Leroy. That's cool. That's I would have gone by that. I guess Robert is a. What's that called? Alliterative. There we go. Yeah, he built a, a business empire. Something go by Ripley. Drawing them ladies with the rings on their necks. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, man. Funny mustaches. Raleigh fingers. Mindy Kalen. It's the world we live in. That's my affirmation this week. And uh, a little bit of uh, Bethlehem Zone, Granola Factory, Granola. Mm. Unofficial sponsor. Made with real steel. It is. <laughs> they make it in that, that ghost town of a steel factory. <laughs> ah, steel. It's a good time. Well, Max, I'm excited. Days worth of iron. I got my days worth of steel right here in this granola. I have a dangerous amount of iron in my system. <laughs> I could I could shoot nails out of my fingers if I so chose. In a way, I already am. That's my nails growing that like whisper on the wind. Oh, gotcha. Nail growth. So yeah, Max, anything else you want to say to our adoring public? Um, we're, we're glad to have you back. Stay with us. <laughs> that long week. And we'll be back next week. I feel like it's such a joke that our episodes are never out on time that, you know, who will know? I just got a text from an unknown contact that just said, you've changed, man. Really? Yeah, I don't know what it's about. <laughs> Do you want to resolve this issue on air? No, I think I just someone asked me to cover shift and I was like, I can't. And they were like, you Oh, should. I thought the the it was an unsolicited text that says oh, no. 
I do need to send an unsolicited text to this Max Eagle character, though. Yeah, you do. I'll, I'll Max get... Eagle, I will find you. Give me my $6. Please do not threaten this man on air. <laughs> Max Eagle. Cool name. I will hats off to that. Pretty dope name. I think that's why I thought it was you, because I just think you're so cool. Oh, thanks. Not me, though. No, not you. <laughs> Should I just request it for Max Eagle? Well, actually, <laughs> this was meant for me. <laughs> Jeez. See, this, is what, this is when I get real pissed. There's no more gun emoji. <laughs> All you have is a squirt gun, and it's just not the same. Jeez. Ooh. Now it's vaguely sexual and fun. <laughs> You've changed gun emoji. Super soaker. <laughs> there is just something so erotic about a super soaker. Yep. Amen. <laughs> See you next time. See you next time, everybody. Water. Water.